0: This is Bill Newman, WHMP.
1: Welcome to the show, and we welcome back to our show Dr. Marty Wall, who is the founder of Wall Family Dentistry here in Northampton. He also is the immediate past chair of the Valley District Dental Society. The Valley District encompasses Franklin, Hampshire, and Hamden counties. And we are here this morning to revisit question two on the ballot this November. Well, if you're doing early voting mail-in ballots, you may be voting as we speak. So, question two, and we want to get to a couple of the letters in the Gazette today, which are really, I think, interesting and informative. But first, Dr. Wall, what is question two? What will it do?
2: Question two will require uh, dental insurances to be transparent as to what they spend on dental care from their premiums, and it would require dental companies to spend 83 percent of all the premiums that are brought in um, spend it on what on dental care on actually the procedures and and services that are provided in dental offices so why 83 percent so in Massachusetts the medical what this is called the medical loss ratio it's the ratio of how much is spent from the premiums in in medical in Massachusetts it's 88 percent. Nationally, it's between 80 and 85%, 83% became a reasonable number to to require that to happen for dental.
1: So, 83 cents on every dollar, if this passes, would have to be actually be spent for dental care, and then 17% goes to overhead and profit. Exactly. Okay. So, this is, let me just make sure I understand. This is actually a smaller percentage of premiums being paid for care. Than is required under Massachusetts law to be paid for medical other medical care. Yes. Okay. So this shouldn't seem to shouldn't seem to be so complicated. Um, I don't understand what the opposition is, and I'd like to turn to the Gazette letters today, letters to the editor. Uh, this first one by Lawrence Perellis, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing the name. Uh, A yes vote on question two would require dental insurance companies to spend at least 83% of our premiums on member dental expenses. He then goes on to talk about how his own dental plan has high premiums and a lot of deductibles. And I'm wondering whether or not it is that question or that issue of how much insurance companies are making, profiting from dental insurance, that is the motivating piece of this legislation that is now before the voters.
2: That's exactly what it seems to be. I mean, they have been resisting even showing what their medical loss ratio is for years, and this not only requires them to be transparent and also to report it to the Division of Insurance, but also to spend the money that they're receiving from premiums and spend enough to actually have benefits given to folks.
3: Now, I was watching the Patriots over the weekend, and there were all these questions, vote no on two, and one of the arguments they make is your premiums are going to go up, which they theoretically could do <laughs> if they just want to be jerks about the whole thing, but then they would still just have to pay 83% of those premiums going up to take better care of your teeth, right? Exactly.
2: So that's that's uh, the 38% that they're talking about going up. First of all, they've they've tried to have some advertising in the Boston area saying that dental care is going to go up 38%, that, that's, that there's going to be an increase in the cost of dental care. Get this. Get what happened. So instead, what really happened was there's the possibility, completely unlikely because the Division of Insurance wouldn't allow it, to raise the premiums 38%, which is not raising dental care 38%. And... Letters were written, written to the stations that were running these ads, and the stations looked at it and said, oh, wait a second, we're getting misinformation here, and now we're taking these ads off the, off the air. Who
3: was writing those
2: letters? Well, an attorney for the insurance companies. I mean, it's pretty straightforward what's going on here. The insurance companies have a profit mo- a motive that they're
1: protecting tooth and nail. <laughs> ah, I see what you did there. <laughs> And they're doing it, two points for the pun, yes. Okay. <laughs> but they're doing it in a way that is it, odds with other medical care. That's the part. 88% of premiums for medical care has to go for medical care. The This ballot initiative would say 83% for dental. It's much less than what we otherwise require for other medical care in Massachusetts. It strikes me as a no-brainer.
2: Th- th- I agree with you. I mean, and that's... The insurance companies are trying their best to try to muddy the water, but
1: that is exactly right, Bill. Well, let me ask you this, and again I'll return to this letter to the editor in today's Gazette. It says, This measure is endorsed by the Massachusetts Dental Society and other local dental groups and by the American Dental Association who feel that dental insurance should pay for dentistry. To illustrate the current problem, Delta Dental spent $177 million on patient care in 2019. Okay, $177 million on patient care, but it spent 291. It sent. I'm sorry, it sent $291 million in profits to its parent company. $291 million in profits, $177 on care. That strikes me as outrageous, just outrageous. No wonder the insurance companies are opposed to this. Look at all that money they're making by not paying for care. I can't,
2: I, you know, I, how do I argue with you? That's exactly what's happening.
1: So tell us a bit more, if you could, about the opposition, these letters that were being, uh, that were sent to stop the misleading advertising. It sounds like it's getting a bit down and dirty from the insurance companies uh Playbook. What can you tell us about that?
2: Right. Well, so the insurance companies were, were running ads that had misinformation on it. Uh, the committee that's been prom- promoting yes on question two said, wait a second, that's not true. Sent that information over to the, in, the uh, um, TV stations that were running the ads. Their legal... Uh, Department looked at it and said, oh, you're right. So we have to take those ads off the off the air.
3: As an ACLU attorney, Bill Newman, this was a, <laughs> a voluntary decision by the television station. But would have the no-on-two people been liable in any way if they were running with these ads? Or could they have been sued for putting out false information like this?
1: Boy, do we have apples and oranges <laughs> and bananas in that question. How uh, liab- can you
3: lie in a political ad and get away with it?
1: I a lot of questions in that one well, too. The, the, I, okay, the, so, was, so there was one so, question. Okay, can so, you
3: lie in a political ad and get away? Well, with it? I would
1: say based on what we see day after day after day after day, the question <laughs> yeah. is: Yes, you can lie in a political ad. Um, the question is whether the question you I think you're really posing is: Is there a uh, defamation claim there that is the false, the false information causes harm to a person and their reputation, um, the uh, uh, liability sort of to the general public. I think that's much harder to prove. And, of course, they would say, well, we had a basis for saying it wasn't an intentional lie. Right. Uh, we just misinterpreted the data a little bit. So things can happen. Their own data.
3: So the television station then, by their own accord, says, oh, yeah, we looked at this data and it's not correct. So we would like to take so it. So they right. took a
2: responsible position. Exactly. The the television station said, wait a minute, we don't want to be part of this. That's exactly
1: what happened. Which they have they have the right to do. Let me turn to this second letter in the Gazette again on Question 2 today under the headline, Question 2 Prevents Insurance Companies from Taking Advantage of Patients. This is from David Ball of Northampton. And, well, let's go exactly to what we were just talking about. And what Mr. Ball says is, as I was watching the New England Patriots game on Sunday, a pleasure— a commercial came on. It was not such a pleasure. We watched that. They, the w- same they game won. The they won. Commercial. And actually this Sunday there's something else going on at, oh. the,
2: at the Gazette. At the Gazette Stadium, because there's going to be a demonstration pro, pro yes on two.
1: The ad says, reading up from the letter again, that dental rates would skyrocket if we voted yes on two. This is a lie. And the letter goes on and talks about the merits of question two and says you can understand why some companies wouldn't like the requirement <laughs> of uh, disclosure and goes on to again say what this comes down to is why is medical insurance regulated and dental insurance is not. Comment on that, if you would, please, for us, Dr. You know, Wall.
2: That, that's a great question. Um, medical and dental insurance have a different history as to how they developed. That's the best as I can understand as to why they have de- develop different ways to regulate it. Uh, Like I said last week, dental insurance is not really insurance. It's more of a benefit, and so you can only use up to a certain amount. Medical insurance is not like that. So the benefit amount that's been in dental insurance has been for decades, plus or minus $1,000 per policy. Some policies are more generous. And medical insurance is nothing like that so it's a totally different animal and the insurance companies have complete control over how much they can spend because they know there's a cap that they created
1: <laughs> well, okay. but it's
3: all created by them
1: sure yeah. i mean they're they're the, they're the game in town so you have medical insurance and you go and whatever the provisions are the medical procedure is covered by your insurance sometimes it's 80% sometimes it's 100% but whatever it is, it's a percentage of the cost of the medical care is covered. It's a th- that's how generally medical policy Right
2: in Massachusetts, eighty-eight percent of the premiums that come in cover medical care.
1: Okay, but I go to my dentist. I guess by way of disclosure, who happens to be Wolf Dentistry. <laughs> that um, oh, we're gonna tell we're gonna tell stories on this in the next <laughs> in the next segment. But I, I what what strikes me as uh, just so so wrong is that if you have a dental procedure and it's going to cost, say, $1,800, it's a significant procedure, um, the benefit would for most people be a maximum of $1,000 in a year because it's a benefit. The insurance company will not pay a penny over that $1,000. It doesn't matter what it costs. Right. Un- That's right.
2: That's how it's set up. Uh, that's a the whole other question from this question, too. And, in other words, you're talking about how dental insurance is are organized. That's not what this question is specifically. This
1: question is getting the money that comes in to be used for dental care itself. And for disclosure. I'd like to know more about the disclosure aspect of this because I was shocked to learn that although medical care is and medical practices are regulated uh, quite, quite stringently by the state, Dental, dental practice? Really not.
2: Uh, hardly at all, because things sometimes will go over to the Department of Insurance, but it's, it's mostly been rubber stamping. So it does drill, nothing really
1: happens from it. And if this question, too, passes in this election cycle, what will happen when?
2: So this all starts January 1st, 2024. Uh, so there's no premium increases between now and then that that can just be unilaterally decided upon. And they will have to either spend uh, more money on what they're receiving, more of the pre- more higher percentage of what they're receiving from premiums, or they can lower their premiums and keep the same amount of benefit, and that way people will save money on their premiums. And if they don't spend 83%, that rebate will actually go back to the payers of the
1: premiums. It seems to me that the insurance companies actually are protected in all of this because they are getting a larger percentage to go for their overhead and their profits than what uh, other medical insurance allows.
2: Yes. In in this case in Massachusetts, it's a modest amount compared to the medical. Right. And that's to make it so that people understand the, the virtue of what's trying to be
1: happening here. We are speaking with Dr. Marty Wall, the founder of Wall Family Dentistry here in Northampton, immediate past chair of the Valley District Dental Society. That's for Franklin Hampshire and Hamden County. We're going to continue our conversation about question two and why you should vote yes on question two. Also yes on one and three and four. We'll be back right after this.
0: And I get off on the pain I am. This is Bill Newman, WHMP play this game you've got to be
4: as sharp as a blade as quick as a one-timer as tough as plexiglass oh and having a solid dental plan that's probably a good idea too hit the ice all season long right here on the umass sports network 1015, 1400 and 1240 whmp
5: Right in your town, maybe even in your neighborhood, an immigrant is building a new life, trying to find their way, all while learning a new language. The International Language Institute offers free English classes for immigrants and refugees for true beginners and others, like students in our Bridge to College and Careers program. One of the nation's top language schools is right here with free English classes for immigrants and refugees. The International Language Institute in downtown Northampton
6: two leading lights of the modern day afro-cuban jazz world alfredo rodriguez and pedrito martinez october 20th at umass both born and raised in havana alfredo rodriguez and pedrito martinez are electrifying Rodriguez at the piano, Martinez surrounded by drums, cungas, tumbas, and his deep-cut mango hand snare.
4: Music,
6: the classical piano prodigy and the streetwise percussionist, a potent combo taking Afro-Cuban jazz to new and exciting places. Quincy Jones produced their new album, Duologue. Get tickets at the UMass Fine Arts Center website. Alfredo Rodriguez and Pedrito Martinez, electrifying Afro-Cuban jazz, Thursday, October 20th. p.m., Bowker Auditorium at UMass.
2: Today, I'm convening this conference because I believe we can use these advances to do even more to make America stronger and a healthier nation, to achieve ambitious goals and hunger in this country by the year 2030.
6: This is a big deal. The President of the United States just announced to the world that ending hunger and promoting better nutrition in this country is a national priority.
3: I think that's a good plan, and I think we can do it. Meanwhile, our neighbors have to eat today. The Food Bank of Western Mass is there for the over 100,000 neighbors who rely on emergency food each month. And if you want to help support the Food Bank of Western Mass, you can join the March for the Food Bank 13 Thanksgiving week. The federal government is making moves when it comes to fighting hunger, and the Food Bank itself is making moves. From Hatfield to Chicopee, you can move with us locally as we march from Springfield to Northampton on day one and Northampton to Greenfield on day two. March yourself, start a team, virtually march. Get involved, make some moves. Monty's March 13, making moves. Monday and Tuesday, November 21st and 22nd. Sign up now at montysmarch.com.
0: This is Bill Newman, WHMP.
1: We are speaking with Dr. Marty Wall about question two and why you should vote yes on question two. Again, Dr. Wall is the immediate past chair of the Valley District Dental Society for Franklin, Hampshire, and Hamden counties. There is an a- action, a political action, a demonstration about teeth <laughs> at <laughs> the Patriots often. at the Patriots game. Don't you think you should do it at the Bruins game? <laughs> They're the ones who usually lose <laughs> their teeth. <laughs> All of that. So... Um,
2: Okay, tell us about that, So a, it's, it's being organized for this weekend. It's going to be a few hours before game time, um, and there'll be people out doing the usual kind of protesting with signs and, and answering questions as to what people are trying to understand as to why this should be yes for question two. And tell us again why at the Patriots game? well there's people there <laughs> <laughs> and they vote so it's a, it's another place to be able to reach folks and and have them understand what's going on
1: and because there was this ad that played during the patriots game last week that was misleading i yelled at it when it came on <laughs> tv <laughs> So you can either go to the demonstration or you can yell at your yeah. television. I also likely. yell at the TV throughout the duration of the game and other <laughs> Patriot-related activities as well. <laughs> so what has been, uh, as we get closer and closer to the election, election day, uh, what has, and people therefore focus on ballot questions and candidates as well, uh, what's been the response uh, in the dental community to this to this question, Marty?
2: So in the dental community, it's been universal response. I mean, everybody understands what they've been suffering through by having their patients not have the dental dollars that they should be having.
3: Do you know any dentists that are opposed to it? I don't. That's an interesting you know, thing. I've wondered I, I about don't. that. Yeah, I've been trying this... to, on question three, I've been trying to talk to liquor store owners who might be against yes on question three. Hard to find them.
2: Interesting, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I've spoken to, to, to Rep. Sabadosa and uh, and, and State Senator uh, Joe Comerford, and, and they're both in favor of it also. Um, and I've gotten response since being on your show, since most people listen to your show, that um, that they're saying... You can course. come back anytime, Marty. Okay, it's fine.
1: It's cool, all good.
2: <laughs> it's the, it, the, you know, the word no-brainer keeps coming up. Uh, we, we, we do need our brains here, but uh, it is like, come on, this uh, this just makes sense. What are we talking about? Right, it seems long overdue. Yes, oh, totally. And it's been discussed for a long time just to show the ratio. And the, den- the dental insurance
1: Which they keep a secret,
2: or try to. It, to try to, yeah. I mean, it, it, it gets understood in certain ways, like the numbers you were talking about with profits. And even non-profit insurance companies have profit arms. And that's also misleading, that some of that money that's theoretically
1: for a nonprofit does go elsewhere right to repeat what is in this letter to illustrate the current problem delta dental spent 177 million on patient care in 2019 but it sent 291 million in profits to its parent company that year the letter writer goes on to say that's not right how did they get that information so the
2: 241 million my understanding that that I'm not sure that's 100% accurate it could away. be yeah I, I i think what if you if you figure out the percentages premiums came out to be 241 million and that can be figured out and then how much was paid from their insurance was was able to be calculated although not completely accurate and that percentage comes out to about
1: 60% instead of 83% of 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 or, 87, or 87% compared to medical. 88, The rest yeah, of medical. Right. That's right. Why why is dental treated as the stepchild of, of the medical the, establishment? Um, I th- My feeling
2: is that the insurance companies cut their losses. They just said, look, we don't want to get involved with what it could cost to, to do this. We d- we're already doing it in medical. We don't really want to have that in dental, so we're just going to call it a benefit. And it, it
1: came later than medical insurance, too. Because dental was... In- Sort of an afterthought. I, I remember back when insurance, we had you'd have insurance, uh, medical insurance at your uh, place of employment, and it wouldn't cover dental. Often. I mean, the only ever...
3: time I've ever had a cavity is when I had a medical insurance but no dental insurance, and then thus it did not go to the dentist. Got one cavity.
2: Again, this is a big question
1: as to what should be covered. How, we, how do we have people get paid to have health care? And because it's not coverage, it's just a... Uh, limit on the amount that will be spent or benefit that we will receive towards dental care. I take it people forego dental care. That's
2: been a really unfortunate circumstance of what's happening. Exactly. People don't have insurance, the insurance hardly covers things and and, and it's 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 embarrassing how little dental care in a country like ours actually gets performed. I mean obviously a lot does. But it's it's disparate as some
1: people can and some people can't. It's been a real frustration. Okay, <clears throat> You're in the excuse me, in the midst of a political fight. <laughs> we have a minute left. Give your closing statement. <laughs> <coughs> dr. 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 Marty wall.
2: hold hold the dental insurance companies accountable for the money that we pay them in premiums so that eighty three percent of the what they get, they're going to give for patient care. Vote yes for question two. Succinct,
1: direct, to the point.
3: (laughs) I think I'm going to vote yes by cuspid. I think.
1: (laughs) Uh, Extra points for Monty. Always. Marty Wall, immediate past chair of the Valley District Dental Society, here to encourage you and all of us, and I'm with him, to vote yes on question two. We'll be right back.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: This is Bill Newman, WHMP.
5: For WHMP News, I'm Jess Tyler. The town council meeting in Amherst abruptly ended Monday night. At-large, Councillor Mandy Johanneke used a privilege accorded by the town charter to end debates after discussion about how to resolve lingering community concerns over a video showing police interacting with Amherst youth in July. At-Large Councilor Alicia Walker said she's embarrassed to be representing a council that would do something like that to community members who wanted to be heard. Diversity, Equity and Inclusion Director Pamela Nolan-Young told the council in August she found no abuse of authority by officers in the incident. Northampton residents are demanding the school committee abandon efforts to create their own school COVID policies and instead follow official guidelines provided by Massachusetts Department of Education. Over 100 people signed a joint letter saying Northampton is one of the only school systems in the state rejecting Massachusetts COVID guidelines. The school committee created an ad hoc COVID advisory committee, which voted to recommend the city follow state guidelines, but that recommendation was sent to a subcommittee instead of passing. The subcommittee will meet remotely at 5 p.m. tonight to discuss these recommendations. Citizens, law enforcement, and politicians were out at Northampton City Hall in support of saying yes to Question 4 on the ballot in November. Despite a veto from Governor Charlie Baker, the state recently passed a law allowing undocumented immigrants to get a driver's license. However, shortly afterwards, a committee got a referendum on the ballot and put the question to voters. The message that this rally was a simple yes vote on ballot Question 4 will preserve the law and make the Commonwealth's roads safer for everyone.
4: It's a mostly sunny and breezy day, a high of 54 to 58. Mostly clear tonight, 30 to 36. Sun shines back tomorrow, again a high of 54 to 58. Then we're in the low 60s with mostly sunny skies on Friday. 22 News Storm Team Meteorologist Brian Lapis, 1015 WHMP.
5: This News Minute is brought to you by our partners at Holyoke Media.
7: Yo soy Johan Raschivega con la Sintesis Informativa de Holyoke Media. El presidente Joe Biden inició oficialmente el lunes el proceso de solicitud de su programa de cancelación de deuda estudiantil y anunció que 8 millones de prestatarios ya habían solicitado alivio de préstamos durante el periodo de lanzamiento suave del gobierno federal durante el fin de semana. Animó a las decenas de millones elegibles para un posible alivio a visitar studentaid.gov y promocionó el formulario de solicitud que, según el presidente, tardaría menos de cinco minutos en completarse. El plan de Biden exige 10 dollars En la cancelación de la deuda estudiantil federal para aquellos con ingresos inferiores a 125 mil dólares al año u hogares que ganan menos de 250 mil dólares al año. Aquellos que recibieron becas federales Pell para asistir a la universidad son elegibles para 10 mil dólares adicionales. El plan hace que 20 millones sean elegibles para borrar por completo su deuda estudiantil federal. Una vez que el Departamento de Educación comience a procesar las solicitudes, los prestatarios deben esperar ver su deuda condonada en cuatro a seis semanas dicen los funcionarios la mayoría de las solicitudes enviadas a mediados de noviembre se procesarán antes del 1 de enero el día en que se reanudarán los pagos de préstamos federales para estudiantes después de haber sido pausados durante la pandemia. En otras informaciones, la ciudad de Holyoke anunció el lunes que comenzará la pavimentación de High Street del martes 18 al jueves 20 de octubre. La calle se cerrará completamente al tránsito y estacionamiento y se desviará el tráfico en las secciones que se estén pavimentando. El martes 18 de octubre se cerrará Jackson Street hasta Cabot Street. El cierre del miércoles y jueves se basará en el progreso realizado el martes. Se le recuerda al público hacer los ajustes necesarios, así como usar rutas alternas y seguir las instrucciones detalladas de tráfico en High Street durante estos días. Yo soy Johan Rashid Vega, y esta fue la síntesis informativa de Holyoke Media a través de WHMP.
5: This News Minute has been brought to you by our partners at Holyoke Media.
0: Blaszewski, Campanella, Talking Baseball, the man and Bobby Fella, the scooter, the barber, and the nuke. They knew them all from Boston to Dubuque, especially Willie, Mickey, and the Duke. This is Bill Newman, WHMP.
1: And this is Talking Baseball with the Duke. Duke Goldman, Northampton-based member of Sabre, the Society of American Baseball Research prolific author about baseball, expert on the Negro Leagues and baseball's racism. Duke Goldman, I'm so pleased you could be with us today because, well, there is this series going on. What happened? Well, what happened? Well, I want you to know that I received a text this morning from a friend of ours. And the aforementioned friend, who is a friend of, I said, ours, uh, David Block, baseball historian. Extraordinaire. Yes, and author of two fabulous, fabulous... The man who
8: discovered the real origins of baseball.
1: Yes, he was fabulous. And he said, finally, it says, the wait is over. And he said, and now I can join you with a lot of people in actually rooting for a team, rooting for the Yankees, a team that I really hate but that nobody hates nearly as much as the Houston Astros so I'm with you mm-hmm. <laughs> you got to hand it you got to hand it to him he kind of put it in encapsulated for a lot of people. What and do you think?
8: And I feel completely and utterly different. I have no problem with Houston whatsoever. I think everybody in baseball is cheated. Should we throw out the win that the New York Giants had in 1951 because they were spying with a telescope? Um, most Allegi- of the Astros Allegi- players... <laughs> uh, no, they, they were. Most of those Astros players are gone. The manager from that team is gone. Where the is general he? manager from that team is gone. The coach from that team is gone. Yes, there's two or three players that were on on that team that are still on that team. And some of them are stars, including Altuve, that's true. The Red Sox were stealing signs. The Yankees were stealing signs. You know what? Get over it. And you know, the team I hated, the team I would have been, I told you this, I would have been rooting for the Yankees against the Braves. What's a bigger crime in our society? Stealing signs or doing an incredibly racist chop that 50,000 fans are doing at every game. As far as I'm concerned, I would root for the Taliban against the Braves. I wouldn't take it that far, (laughs) but you had me up to that point.
1: (laughs) I can see the Gazette headline now. Local sports expert supports Taliban. (laughs) Okay. I'm not sure that's so okay. I mean, what Houston did was to use technology to steal signs as opposed to Straightforward looking out. Good old fashioned stealing.
8: Yeah. That's which... what the New York Giants used. They used the technology of the time, they used a telescope. I hear
3: people steal bases in baseball too.
8: People steal stuff. I'm not saying what they did was right and it was punished and it happened five they years ago. They didn't give ago. the World Get Series for it. They didn't give I the world. I want Dusty Baker to win a championship, you know? Ooh. And the Houston is a far better team than the Yankees and hopefully they're going to hand them their lunch. I am not rooting for the Yankees.
4: I agree. <laughs> My day
1: started so much better Sorry. than you started. Okay, one oh nine a.m. from David Block, baseball historian extraordinary. A truly amazing moment has arrived in which the Yankees now play an opponent even more hated than they are, and he says, "Congratulations and good luck going forward." Too. So.
8: What haven't they played Houston a bunch of times in the last ALCSs twice, yes, and they've lost twice. Yeah, and they, hopefully it'll be three times.
1: Right? Did they
3: hate? Houston's did he hate a them then? Team. Say that again. Did he
8: hate them then? Did David Block hate them then?
3: No, he didn't hate Houston then. He Houston hated them right? after they cheated. After they
1: cheated, twenty seventeen and nineteen, right?
8: I don't know when the years were. You uh, know what? Yeah. Oh yeah,
1: let's move on It was twenty seventeen. That's this. right. I that's,
8: mean, is that really what it's about? I want to see. A I want series. I want
1: to talk about uh, Terry Francona, wonderful manager for the Boston Badlands, Red Sox, manager. fired. Uh, now manager for the uh, Guardians. Cleveland Guardians. Uh, and, and
8: Pedro Martinez can just not get that name straight. It was fascinating. Pre game show yesterday, he said Indians. I don't know how many times. It's like, now he faced them when they were Indians.
1: I have to think about it, to be yeah. honest. No, no, I yeah. did too.
8: And I, it just kept doing it, which is kind of interesting.
1: Terry Francona did not pitch his best pitcher yesterday, did not start him. Shane Bieber. And to me, I was struck. I can understand the organization saying do not risk the arm of a very, very valuable property. But I really had more the sense from Terry Francona, I'm not going to risk the arm of a really talented, exceptional young ball player. I'm wondering what your thoughts are.
8: I think that's accurate. I'm not in the head of Terry Francona. I read something in the New York Post suggesting that they knew Bieber's arm was, if not suspect, at least, you know, more more at risk. Um, and Cleveland has a lot invested in him. The Yankees don't have a lot invested in Nestor Cortez, who was a 36th-round draft pick, who also who did pitch on three days rest and apparently was strong and in good health and had a great game. You know what? I, I, I can see why people would say that they should have pitched Bieber. Uh, I still think the Yankees would have won.
3: Was anybody making analogies to the Kurt uh, Schilling situation in 2004, putting him out there with the bloody sock and all that? Or we, nobody really likes Kurt Schilling at this right. point, so they were willing to risk him to make him go pitch? <laughs>
8: Uh, Schilling had an obvious iner- injury, but he was a war horse, otherwise, and they stitched him together. and you know, every situation is different. Uh, you know I don't know. That was a different era anyway.
1: Well, let me ask you about that, because back when we were growing up, and baseball was a very different game, starting pitchers would pitch every fourth game. I mean, there was there was five four days of rest and pitching back when out. you were
8: growing up, not when I was growing up. <laughs> By the time I got to watch baseball in 1970, they were doing a five man rotation, but before then, it was four. Yes.
1: Okay so why is it so different people's arms haven't changed that much the baseball players pitchers arms have not Well t-
8: several things are different first of all everybody's throwing 100 plus miles an hour and there's you know and the hitters are people like Aaron Judge I mean the bodies the the physique is different secondly um, so much money is invested in these players. You know, back then they were making 30000 a year and the, you know, they were, they were cannon fodder. Or, you know, do you think players didn't have torn rotator cuffs back then? Sure they did. You know, they went out there and pitched when they were injured. Now you got, you know, a guy signed to a $100 million contract, you're not going to send him out there when he might be at risk.
1: So you think that is the primary motivating factor behind what the guardians did yesterday i
8: you know i'd be speculating i don't know i i i I agree with you that i think francona cares about his players more than most managers and you know and i think you know he was interviewed at the after the game and he talked about we went so far nobody expected us to do this well and i think there was a feeling of hey we had a great season and you know he knew the odds were against them game five yankee stadium you know, face, facing Cortez, who's had a great year. Um, I, I didn't think they were going to win, even if they pitched Bieber. But, you know, you can make an argument that they should have put him out there.
1: They, Cleveland also has the youngest team one right. of the lowest payrolls, right. they, that team... They have a future. Wow. Do they... Do they they have, do.
8: So, you know, I think he looked at it as like, look, you never know what's going to happen in a given game. I'm not going to risk Bieber's arm. We need him next year. We want him to be healthy, and we might win anyway, and, you know, let's see what happens.
1: Okay. I want to go back, Duke Golden, and ask you about what you said that you thought the Yankees probably would win the game in any event, but... The home run, which was the crucial home run of the game by Giancarlo Stanton in the first inning, was a three-run home run, gave the Yankees a 3-0 lead, became a 4-1 after the the Yankees, and in particular Aaron Judge, hit another home run in the second inning. But the home run that Giancarlo Stanton hit, the three-run home run, would have been a home run in exactly three of the 30 Major League ballparks. And I'm wondering whether or not that kind of a distortion – that's quite the right word – but that kind of configuration of ballparks uh, is fair, good for the game. What do you make of that? It would have been an out or at most a double uh, anywhere else.
8: I don't care. I mean, all these, oh, that would have been a home run in 22 and a half ballparks. I mean, you know, isn't this a little bit too much? The whole idea of baseball is that not to have ballparks that are cookie cutters. We had an era of that, you know, where every stadium looked the same. They were the most horrible stadiums on earth. I saw so many games at those stadiums and they stunk. I like ballparks that are configured in unusual ways. And ballplayers are supposed to know how to hit to take advantage of those things. Having said that, m- almost every one of Aaron Judge's home runs would have been a home run in almost every ballpark. So, you know, Aaron Judge is an amazing ballplayer. Giancarlo Stanton is no longer an amazing ballplayer, but he happened to take advantage of the park he was in. And you know what? They were going to get to Aaron Savali sooner or later anyway.
1: Yeah, they, that that's true. I, I'd like to go to another aspect of this playoff series, if we could. Um, Actually, two, but this one's on the top of my list, so let's go with this. Uh, Bob Costas, an amazing baseball commentator, someone who I've loved listening to for years, Bob Costas, who gave this eulogy for Mickey Mantle, was talking about how he used to carry his Mickey Mantle baseball card around his wall. (laughs) Okay, let's move on. Um, (laughs) Mickey Mantle was a great ball player, so much better than Joe DiMaggio. Uh, (laughs) Let's relitigate that one. So, But Costas is doing the play-by-play, and I find him extremely annoying, and I'm wondering... What's going on here and is my reaction off base? Well,
8: many of your reactions are but this one is (laughs) not (laughs) No, you're absolutely right. I mean, and I had the same reaction and I have to believe most baseball fans did. I love Bob Costas. I think he's amazing. He wrote a great book called Fairball. He's done so many years of commentating. But he belongs as a color commentator. He is not a play-by-play person. He hasn't done play-by-play in apparently something like 20 years. You had two commentators, him and Darling. He should have been paired with Don Orsillo or somebody like that. Somebody who did play-by-play and a Allowing Costas to observe uh, and comment. And and I read a column saying that Costas improved. By the fifth game, he, he, he dialed it back and he actually asked Darling and drew him out to talk a little bit more and talk about his experience in the 86 series and the whole notion. Ron of being...
1: Darling, the former Mets. Yes. Oh, the Mets. Oh, we could talk about them. Oh. I don't hate them anymore. <laughs> no.
8: I only hated them then. Now I love them.
1: <laughs> and now the, the – dude... en- The enemy of my friend. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Anyway, back to Ron Darling, who pitched, who was an extraordinary pitcher, very talented, very successful, and I think a very good common, com- baseball commentator. Yes, he's very good. He's working, working with Costas in calling these games. Correct. Uh, he's done very well. Costas not not so much. Really. No, no, he's and, in the wrong role, without a doubt. And, and I, I couldn't quite identify why I found him so annoying in that role, but he really he was. He kept talking. He just kept uh,
8: talking. And when you got, you know, he he was supposed to be doing the play-by-play, I and mean, he tried to do it, but he's not good at it. He he doesn't have the rhythm for it. Yeah. He doesn't when you look
3: at, listen to Don Orsillo's voice. It's almost stentorian in an old-fashioned way, and it really is kind of the way we expect. To listen to baseball, and anytime anybody breaks that mold, I mean, apart from a, what I've heard, are a couple mistakes that he made at, at Costas. He just sounds more like a human being talking to you, and that is where you want the role of the color person. And that is Orsillo is stantorian and brilliant, and can be fun and funny at times too, but really sounds like an announcer. And I think maybe that's what it. I, and I agree. And,
8: you know, just to. I, I stopped being really interested in the Red Sox when they traded Mookie Betts, but it occurs to me, even before that, one of the times I stopped being as interested in the Red Sox was when the management fired Orsillo. Yeah. I loved Orsillo. It was heartbreaking. He was great. He was great with Jerry Remy. The two of them were hilarious. It really was. And, you know, it just was, I mean, Dave O'Brien's fine, but I he's not Don Dave Orsillo. I actually love
3: but he's no, da- he's no John Orsillo, but I do love Dave
1: O'Brien. Why was he fired? Why was there so far? There
8: was some I don't know, contract,
1: a contract thing. Contract thing, I think. Yeah, I remember. contract.
8: Yeah. I don't know. You know, the the stuff that none of us wants to hear about, you know, and, and I don't know, I don't know the details, but I just don't you know. The Mets management has been smart. They have kept their you know, Darling, Keith Hernandez and Gary Cohen for over seventeen years and the fan base loves them. It keeps you listening. I'll listen, you know, watch Met games even when the Mets aren't doing well because I love hearing those guys the announcing, and I don't think the Red Sox quite have that anymore.
1: Okay, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about a number of different aspects of the sport today, including whether or not Aaron Boone, the manager of the Yankees, is getting fired if he doesn't get to the World Series, which according to Duke Goldman, well, is true. We'll be right back. King of the
0: Town
4: blue. the western mass business show with local dynamo tara brewster saturdays at eleven and sundays at two only on whmp
3: brought to you by business west the vital business news in western mass
4: is in business west the western mass business show with tara brewster whmp
5: If you are on the Eversource Reduced Electricity Rate, whether you're on it now or you're eligible, you can tap into Co-op Power's solar arrays and lower your electric bill. A new energy justice initiative allows 120 low-income families to go solar, save money, and become owner members of Co-op Power. Join Co-op Power's 1,200 owner members building community-owned energy. For details, go to the Co-op Power website, co-oppower.coop.
9: At Greenfield Savings Bank, one of the things we love about living in the Valley is all the locally grown food that's available here. For more than 25 years, a local nonprofit called CESA, which stands for Community Involved in Sustaining Agriculture, has been promoting locally grown food and supporting farms, farmers markets, and food businesses in our Valley. And to support CESA's mission, Greenfield Savings Bank is giving new customers a CESA canvas tote bag as a thank you gift when they open a new free GSB checking account. There are no monthly fees, no transaction fees, and you get free online banking, free e-statements, free debit card, and free GSB mobile app, including depositing checks from your mobile device. Our existing customers can also get a CISA Canvas tote bag when they enroll in GSB's free mobile banking or sign up for e-statements. So, join GSB and show your support for locally grown food and local banking.
4: Get your CISA Canvas tote bag Thank You Gift from Greenfield Savings Bank. See bank or visit greenfieldsavings.com for full details. Member FDIC, member DIF.
5: My baby boy was a very good sleeper. He would nap in the morning and nap again in the afternoon, so my routine became that I would drink the first half of the time I expected him to sleep so that I could pass out the second half. Even during my pregnancy, knowing that it might be harmful to the baby, I could not stop drinking. The fear of any harm to that child was not enough to make me stop. Sometimes I would try to go to the park with him, but I was becoming really fearful of people finding out what a sick person I was. Today, since I joined AA, I don't have that sensation anymore at all. I have a purpose in life today. I know who I am. I know where I'm going and I feel good about it. I can be a mother to my child, and I can be a wife to my husband, and I couldn't be any of those things when I was drinking. Alcoholics Anonymous. It works. Look us up.
6: Online and in-person meetings. For more, call 413-532-2111 or visit westernmassaa.org.
0: This is Bill Newman, WHMP.
1: We continue talking baseball with the Duke, Duke Goldman. Duke, I have this question for you. The playoffs, uh, the way in which they are configured now, is different. And there are eight teams that start in the playoffs out of – right? Eight teams – 12. 12 teams out of 30 start in the playoffs. And it's kind of like a second season where you start over. And what has happened is that the teams that were the best for the season – including the Dodgers and the Yankees well they're still in it but in the Mets your beloved Mets and the Atlanta Braves who and are the, s- and it's so beautiful that they're out and the Atlanta Braves <laughs> we all have we all have our uh, yeah. okay well, never mind yeah but LA New York Yan- New York Mets Atlanta Braves they're all out of three teams th- that won 100 games and the they are t- all best out teams of it. and they're all, yeah. so making me believe that this Way the postseason,
8: especially now with all these rounds of playoffs, is all about who's hot at the right time and who's lucky. And you know, the best team doesn't necessarily win, and we're seeing that in the National League. The Phillies and Padres are definitively not the best teams in the National League.
1: The Phillies, and the, the Padres The Phillies and the Padres uh, playing each other in the regular season. You would not have bothered to tune in on...
8: Uh, Padres made, you know, they picked up Juan Soto, who's a superstar, but he hasn't played well with them. You know, Fernando Tatis Jr. is suspended and is out. Um, they have some good starting pitching, but they're not a great team. The Phillies are, you know, they, they really had an awesome second half of the year, and they're hot at the right time, and they have, you know, two amazing starting pitchers in Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola. But they're not the best teams. They came in second, and there were what, 12? They came in third in the in the NL East. the Phillies. Oh, right. Yeah, right.
1: I mean 20 games behind something like that or a lot of games behind uh, yeah 15 games is behind is it
3: much much different when there was just one wild card do you think
8: no it, I mean it's been moving in that direction I mean the Florida Marlins have won two World Series without ever winning a division title so this has been happening for a while
1: is this good or bad for baseball
8: well, what's good and what's bad, you know? I mean good for baseball okay, and that more ba- teams are uh, no, involved.
1: No, I know, I know, bad. <laughs> Atlanta Atlanta Braves, bad. Yankees bad. <laughs> Yankees bad Yeah, you know. I mean Met, Mets good. good. We're, <laughs> good, all, now, good we're, we're, we're all good now. We're all nineteen eighty six. We're
8: all so objective about this, you know. <laughs> I mean I don't know. I don't know. I I don't want to see it get to be like hockey, which I always remember. At one point, I think they've cut it back. At one point, hockey had 21 teams and 16 made the playoffs. Why do we need a regular season? Baseball's moving in that direction. I I don't want to see everybody and anybody in the playoffs. I don't want to see teams in the playoffs who've won 78 games and then run the table and win a World Series. I think that's ludicrous. So you know, this creep of more and more and more playoff teams and more rounds – I think it's got to stop. I hope they stop where they are.
1: What would you think about shortening the Major League Baseball season and having longer playoffs so that it's not three games or five games, but it's a real seven-game series?
8: I would support that 100%. The owners will never do it because they're all about money and the idea that they're going to get rid of eight games in the year so that they can have longer playoffs, they're not going to do it.
3: Because everybody wouldn't have those games. Only the people that made the playoffs would get it.
8: Yeah.
1: Well, but that said, those playoffs games would attract a huge television audience and they would be, have the best teams in baseball. And those series, instead of being three games or five games, all would be seven. And I think that would engender a lot of interest, for, particularly for casual baseball fans. Bill,
8: I love baseball. But does baseball ever draw a huge audience anymore? Well,
1: and to get 100% <laughs> in my house. <laughs> and it,
8: for seven games over
3: five, I think there are probably people that are like... That's all – five is already too many. I remember my, my, I'd be watching, especially when the Red Sox in their first time when they won the World Series, like explaining to her after we were basically just newly married, uh, th- this is not a one thing like a Patriots Super Bowl. This is like <laughs> for the next seven nights I'm going to be <laughs> occupied, and then if they go through this – uh, it'll be another seven more nights. <laughs> you know, it's like the
8: Hanukkah of sports, back to back. Maybe that's why I love it. But, you know, it baseball's not anywhere near the number one sport in America anymore. They make the owners are making money hand over fist. They're making money off the streaming. They're making money off the merch. You know, sure they want more playoff games without a doubt. But you know,
1: well let me let me ask you about mon- money in baseball while we're on that topic. Uh, Cleveland, which Came very very close to running the table, and is a fabulous and inspiring team in a lot of ways. Has a tiny payroll compared to teams that are no longer in this picture, including the Dodgers and the Mets and Atlanta. I mean, which have payrolls four times as high as Cleveland. The what Red do you? Sox? What do you? And they're, oh, and the Red Sox too. Oh yes, how did I leave out the yeah, Red Sox? The Red Sox, uh, <clears throat> otherwise known as the Evil. No, 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 no. That's the, no. Other, oh, That's the no. other team. That's the other We're team. That's the good <laughs> empire. <laughs> the Red Sox have a massive $200 million uh, payroll. Uh, what do you make of the fact that Cleveland, with its very small payroll, relatively speaking, uh, is. It's a fabulous team, and these other teams with their big payrolls, including, as you just pointed out, the Red Sox and the Dodgers and the Mets and Atlanta, they're not there. What do you, what do you make of that?
8: Well, two things. First of all, I'm delighted. I think it's great. I like to see a, you know, a gritty team with, with young, hungry players get there. Again, the playoffs are a crapshoot. Were the Indians a better team than all the aforementioned teams? No, they you were not. Mean
3: the Guardians?
8: Yes, the, <laughs> the Guardians. There we go again. Yes, the Guardians. The Guardians are not a better team than the Astros, than the Dodgers, than the Braves, than the Mets. They were hot at the right time.
1: Well, that's always been true for the World Series, people have often said it's not the best team in baseball for the year. It's the best team in baseball in October.
8: Yes, it's always been true. And that's why playoffs don't really tell you who the best team. The the best team every year is the team that won the most games in the regular season. Well. But we like playoffs. You know, it's exciting. We like the World Series, yeah, but it's not the best team. That's not what it proves. Not as far as I'm concerned. Do you
3: think that in an ideal baseball world for you, Duke, would it be the two teams with the best records in both leagues play each other in a series?
8: Yeah, be, I'd like to go back to two playoff teams, but, you know, that's never going to happen. <laughs> if not two, maybe four, you know, division winners I or, you know.
3: Number one games in the American League versus National League, no playoffs, just World Series. That'd be kind of cool.
8: I'd like to see like a four, you know, one year in 1887. Monte
1: wa- wants to live my youth. <laughs> yeah, they, in 1887,
8: they had a 15-game World Series. So let's have two winners and have a, you know, then we'd really see who the Do best team is. Do you remember that is. series? <laughs>
1: <laughs> we really got to go now. <laughs> Thank you, Duke Oven. My pleasure.
0: This is Bill Newman, WHMP.
4: When it's happening here in the valley, we're talking about it.
6: What what I'm trying to communicate is that there are many, many layers of of safety management in place at every source to ensure that we reduce as much risk as as possible.
0: Does the Bliss Street Station intentionally vent gas regularly? Because I can tell you that it vents gas. Pretty much every time I've gone to that area, I have smelled gas. 1015,
4: 1400, and 1240. We are the valley. We are WHMP. Grow Food Northampton helps
8: you make the local food system better. This is Michael Skillcorn, Director of Programs. You can join us by shopping at Northampton Tuesday Market, getting a plot at our community garden in Florence, buying a farm share at Crimson and Clover or Sawmill Herb Farm. You can volunteer with us in our giving garden or participate in our neighborhood markets that bring the local food movement to underserved communities in Northampton. Get involved and support our work at GrowFoodNorthampton.com.
4: Live and Eat. local news this and talk for Northampton, Northampton and the Mike. Valley since 1950. WHMP Northampton. WHMQ Greenfield. A Northampton radio group station. It's